Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now to break down all the market action, how is Wednesday looking, Ryan Huang? Yeah, looked, looking pretty good by most accounts, but of course, um, tributes pouring in for Charlie Munger. A lot of investors look up to him as a bit of a hero. He has been always by the side of Warren Buffett on those Berkshire Hathaway meetings. Yeah. So, well, that's going to be a thing of the past now. 99, a nice Long life, shall we say. Well lived. All right, let's start this morning in China um, because I want to look at a couple of bearish trends in the financial and property sectors. Today we have a couple of bits of bearish news, this time from two internet companies. They are posting quarterly results. One really focuses on fashion. The other is China's largest food delivery business. The two stocks are Pinduoduo and Meituan. Uh, if we take a look at Pinduoduo, the parent company of the hit shopping app Tamu, have you ordered anything of Tamu? No, not quite. I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. Have you? No, no. I've, I've still been burned by the scams that I've encountered on AliExpress and Shein even. That No. Uh, and Tamu offers even cheaper items, heavily discounted uh, items, most shipped from China to consumers in other markets. Business really booming. Uh, the e-commerce platform grossing 9.6 billion US dollars in the last quarter. When you look at Pinduoduo's numbers, what are, what's really standing up for you? Yeah, so this is where you've got competition intensifying and you know, grabbing people's monies in the e-commerce space. And Temu, parent PDD, is doing that. It has beaten third quarter revenue forecasts. And this is off the back of a lot of heavy discounting. So it has managed to get some growth in sales because of some of the coupons, some of the discounts. So it is getting or making it tougher for Shein in the sense, giving it a run for its money. And I suppose it's a sign, encouraging sign that there is still life in e-commerce in China. Yes, indeed, there is. Um, Pinduoduo's revenue, if you take a look at that, nearly doubling in the last quarter. And it is worth pointing out that Pinduoduo's strong numbers are really the results of its international business, not so much that of its domestic platform. Pinduoduo's share price jumped 18% in US trade overnight, and it has more than doubled since June. I thought it was interesting. It's rarely on investors' radars. Now let's take a look at the food delivery platform Meituan. Its revenue jumped 22% in the last quarter. That is better than expected, but really the company is warning of slower growth going forward. Why is food delivery expected to slow for Meituan? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I suppose you could chalk it up to seasonal factors because it has to do with the season. So what is expected going forward is that we will see warmer weather in China. And that means folks are more inclined to some extent to dine out rather than order in. So Uh. that's where Meituan is expecting a bit of a hit when it comes to orders. So pricing that in, investors are thinking maybe it won't do so well as before. So that's giving it a few headwinds to grapple with. 
It's atypical warmer weather, so climate change affecting Meituan. Shares of Meituan fell 5% in Hong Kong trade yesterday. They are down 40% since the start of the year. If we take a step back, are you at all encouraged by what you see with Pinduoduo and Meituan's numbers as well? I realize Meituan is cautious going forward, but really its business is still doing much better than expected. And just yesterday we heard Goldman Sachs is bullish about mm. Chinese equities for the year ahead. So what do you think? Yeah, it is encouraging on that front, right? You have at least some cheerleaders going on saying, hey, things are looking better. I suppose it's all relative and a matter of perspective. Some banking folks are thinking, hey, it's bottomed out. It only has upside from here on because all the bad news, at least most of it, has been priced in. Some pockets of growth in the earnings coming through, like PDD, mm. that's encouraging. But of course, you've got some not so doing well. And we've already mentioned Meituan. You've got a property sector in focus as well. So a lot of issues to sort out before we can really, you know, burst the champagne and pop the fireworks. One more China headline caught my eye this morning. Speaking of champagne and fireworks, um, this one not bullish at all. The New York Times is running an article about how wealthy Chinese families are going to great lengths to move funds out of China. They are even hiding gold bars inside carry-on luggage when they're traveling overseas, lugging gold. Can you imagine being the security screener who finds these gold bars popping up on the uh, radars? Okay, on a more serious note, why are Chinese shifting their money overseas? Yeah, first of all, it is not straightforward to move your money out of China because of capital controls. So they um, try to do it elsewhere by buying stuff like gold, like you pointed out, smuggling it in very small bars, sometimes put it in your pocket that small, mm. sometimes in your luggage, in your shoes, what have you, just to get it out and you know, spend it elsewhere. And sometimes exchanging it illegally, sometimes with um, some of the exchanges operating illegally. So you've got many ways and many places that these um, flows, money flows are going into. So one of them is into gold, another is property, and it does look like a sign that Chinese consumers, households are looking a bit bearish about where the Chinese economy is going and thinking maybe parking elsewhere will be a safer bet, more defensive for their fortunes. And also, I suppose, a sign of worry that they don't know exactly policy-wise what's going to happen next. Will there be a crackdown on that sector or this sector or on household incomes or taxes. So to some degree, there is that question mark in the air that I think they are trying to second guess. So mm. just moving their feet right now with their money. You know, large-scale money outflows have set off financial crisis. Just think of the recent decades, um, Latin America, even China, late 2015, 2016. But a lot of experts say, given the flows that they're currently seeing, they don't think that the pace is going to threaten um, China's $17 trillion economy. Next up, let's go to Indonesia, which is home to the world's best-performing IPO of the year. I've been thinking a lot about Tok Panjang, you know, those long... Um, meals where you sit at a long table and just keep eating. <laughs> I suppose that's going to be on your lunch menu today. <laughs> Absolutely. When I think future, of Indonesia, I think of that for some reason. Well, okay, let's uh, look at the world's best performing IPO of the year. A company whose share price has soared nearly three. 
thousand percent mm. since going public in March. Yeah, what a beautiful number, three thousand percent. And that company's name is Petrindo Jaya Kriasi. What business is it in? Yeah, mind-boggling, three thousand percent. You just exactly. put in a hundred bucks, you would be way <laughs> in the money right now. So we are looking at this company, Petrinda Jaya Krisi, and they are in the mining business. We've talked, actually talked about this many weeks ago mm. um, when it made its debut. Well, this was back in March. And since then, after that $25 million offering, it's really picked up pace and it's all riding the trend of EVs being the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And to do EVs, you need batteries. To do batteries, you need um, some of the stuff like nickel. And this is where it's nickel mining that business really supporting the story behind the IPO's success. And it's grown by more than 25 times in terms of market value in just nine months to $5.4 million. So this is, I suppose, a sign as well of um, how investors are liking these stories. Um, Mining companies in Indonesia, especially renewable energy stocks. Mm. So a big jump on, I suppose, a bandwagon. I just spoke to a couple of uranium miners over in Canada last night. But uh, we're focusing this morning on PT Petrindo Jaya Kriasi, which, by the way, counts a billionaire. He is, I believe, Indonesia's third most wealthiest man. Yeah, he has majority ownership in this company. Um, their gains have led to multiple trading suspensions, by the way. Still, the stock's upward trajectory has proved a huge windfall to the company's largest shareholder. Uh, Prajogo, already a billionaire, and I'm, I'm sure he's looking at these gains quite happily. Let's turn to the US markets now where the Dow climbed overnight to its highest finish in nearly four months. It closed up a quarter percent, topped the 35,400 level. The Nasdaq and S&P 500 finishing higher as well. Looks like investors are in a bullish mood after several officials from the US Federal Reserve, including some who are normally hawkish, have indicated that the central bank may be done raising interest rates. What is the latest here? Yeah, hawkish being a keyword. This is actually one of the more hawkish members of the FOMC, Christopher Waller. He's a Fed governor and he is saying pretty much summarizing what he's been saying that maybe the Fed does not need to do that much anymore. In fact, they could be looking at rate cuts very soon. Imagine Mm. that, rate cuts. So this is with the view that inflation appears to be moderating, that the rate hikes in the past few weeks and quarters are enough and maybe they just need some time for it to play through to the economy. So that's what he's pretty much saying. There are signs, encouraging signs that inflation is steadily declining Mm -hmm. and maybe in time to come soon, it could be time to talk about cutting rates. Mm -hmm. Just not too long ago, we're talking about hikes. One more rate hike perhaps end of the year and maybe something to look forward to in terms of hikes next year. But that talk about High, um, rate cuts is starting to come up even more frequently now. Yeah, and you know, a lot of excitement because these messages of rate cuts are coming from Christopher Waller, who is seen traditionally as quite a hawk. Uh, he prefers higher rates combat inflation than lower rates to sort of crank up the job market. So a lot of expectation and excitement around that. U.S. stocks, if we take a look at how they've done overnight, they 
got a boost from a strong consumer confidence report. The conference board's November consumer confidence survey ticked higher for the first time in several months. And the timing for this improved measure also particularly good as the holiday Shopping season really shifts into higher gear. U.S. stocks, meanwhile, are on course to make November their best month of the year to date. We'll know for sure before the end of the week, in fact. But in the meantime, many investors are already looking ahead to December and wondering if there will be a Santa Claus rally. So if we look at the stats, what are the chances that Wall Street really ends the year on a high note? Yeah, well, history repeat itself. I suppose if you look at the stats, it is encouraging. There is a 7 in 10 chance that US stocks will rise in December. So just based on history, most of the time, December is a pretty good month. And that's why I suppose you have phrases like the Santa Claus rally. I suppose people are feeling good about the end of the year. They've got a bonus to spend on perhaps stocks. Mm. That's another reason. So many reasons to cite of um, a potential rise in the stock market for the last month of the year. And I suppose the caveat here is, you know, 7 10. Is this 7 10 or is this a 3 in 10? No, you never know if this year is going to be the good year or not. So very tough to call. And I think I'll just go back to what Christopher Waller was saying, right? Maybe rates could be cut next year, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it kind of goes against many of the other views out there, including from Fetcher Jerome Powell, who said, maybe it's not enough. No, So even within FOMC, there are differing views. So it's very tough to call where things are going from here. Yeah, meantime, we're taking that hint of rate increases being over um, with some optimism, I think. Let's take a look at uh, corporate news. What a list that I have for you. We do it up or down style. Let me start with Alibaba. Yeah, Alibaba's not been in, well, the good news column for the past few weeks or so. But now, there seems to be something encouraging from the health information technology side. So it has struck a deal to get the rights to certain services um, with its marketing tools. So that's going to be improving its revenue and services to online stores. So Alibaba Health is saying it will buy AJK Technology Holding from Taobao holding for a combination of cash and shares for a price tag of $1.7 billion. So I would probably say this is an up for Alibaba. I think lots of uncertainty still for Alibaba. You remember at the start of the month, we were talking about how they had plans to spin off their cloud business, but they were abandoning those plans because of US export controls on chips, right? In AI uh, applications. Well, Apart from that, digital outages also seem to be more and more common. We're, we've experienced several banking outages here in Singapore this year. In fact, just this week, we, Ryan and I were talking about how HSBC was down over the weekend over in the UK. And now Alibaba's cloud clients over in Hong Kong and China, they've suffered a two-hour outage this week. That is the second disruption in a month that we've seen Alibaba's cloud service gone down. So I'm going to give it down to Alibaba. How's the Adani group looking? All right, looking good. And this is after a pretty tough year. You might remember the name Hindenburg Research. They came out with a scaling report against the company. And in the mix is the Indian courts. So some good news, Indians, or rather the Indian Supreme Court has concluded that no, there is nothing to look into further. So they have concluded the hearing on those arguments 
related to the Hindenburg Research Report, which claims a few things like inflated numbers, fraud as well, uh, forged documents. Well, nothing to look at according to the Indian courts and that's encouraging for investors and we are seeing a jump in its stock price. In fact, it's best day since the report came out. Shares of companies affiliated with the Adani Group certainly looking at a great day, their best since January when we saw that Hindenburg research report first breaking. Uh, that was such a scathing corporate malfeasance report, right? The company's flagship stock, Adani Enterprises, has jumped 13%. Adani Total Gas and Adani Energy Solutions saw a surge of some 20%. Investors pretty bullish following the conclusion of this court hearing against Adani on Friday. No firm outcome yet from the court, but there are some positive signs for Adani. And that likely led investors who were shorting the company to cover their positions. All in all, I think this is an up for the Adani group. Okie dokie. Amazon. All right, Amazon is going to be an up for me. So this is behind the letter Q. That's the name of his new AI chatbot. Mm. And this is targeted at businesses who can then use this chatbot to do stuff like summarize some of the documents they upload and just crunch some of the data that they have on their servers. Um, I'm just a bit curious why they call it Q. You might remember using the days of IRC, these chat rooms, and they called it Q as well, the chat room bot not sure if you remember those days but yeah it reminds me of those days the letter Q that is interesting Um, I think if I'm not wrong that is the letter used to describe quite commonly uh, one of the so-called writers of of a pretty holy book Q so uh, yes Q is a new AI chatbot that Amazon in, the, in this era is using for businesses. And how it works is it connects to a number of Amazon's cloud computing business software tools. So it can automate, pretty cool, automatically make changes to source code so that developers have less work to do. So I would say that is an up for Amazon. So, okay, here we go. Uh, apparently, Amazon has named the chatbot Q, not because of my reason that brings us back too far back in history. And also people will say it depends really who you ask. Uh, Some officials are looking at reports. They say Q is named after the character of the same name in the James Bond movies. Ah, I think that's a plausible theory. It's quite catchy. (laughs) There's also a Q character in Star Trek, did you know? I didn't know that. Not a big trekkie, so <laughs> I guess uh, it could be another plausible theory. Next up, let's look at the Singapore-listed precision plastics manufacturer, Fuyu Corp. Yeah, so on that front, it's a bit of a mixed bag. And the mixed bag has a bit more good news. So Fuyu Corporation is a precision plastic components manufacturer. They are projecting a brighter outlook for FY 2024. So what's helping it is the launch of new transformation tech. Uh, strategies to build what they call a much stronger business foundation and open up new business opportunities and enhance shareholder value. So that's the good side. The not so good side is it expects a bit of a headwind coming from China's economic slowdown, rising interest rates and geopolitical tensions as some challenges for the rest of the year at least. And on that front, Earnings are down. Mm-hmm. Revenue is down 34% to $104 million for the nine months ending September. And on the profit end, it is down 68% for those same nine months to $9.5 million. So you've got, I suppose, a lower base to work with as well. 
So still highlighting several major challenges uh, for you officials. They include China's economic slowdown, China's geopolitical risks. Fuyu shares have really rallied this past week, but overall they're still down more than 40% since January. So all in all, I will give Fuyu a down. Let's look at ARA US Hospitality Trust. All right. I am going for an up for me. And this is with ARA Hospitality Trust divesting its Pittsburgh Airport Hotel at a price of $7.7 million. So good news is managed to cash out. Indeed. It expects to receive 7.7 million US dollars for the sale of that Hyatt at the Pittsburgh airport. And while the hotel is really just a small part of ARAH Trust's overall portfolio, the sale is expected to free up capital that can be deployed elsewhere, maybe uh, to buy a better yielding property or maybe pay down debts. Either way, I think I join you there. It is an up for ARA Hospitality Trust. Our last word of the day goes to friends and family of Charlie Munger, the Vice Chair Berkshire Hathaway, longtime business partner to Warren Buffett, who overnight passed away. He was 99, in fact, just one month shy of his 100th birthday. He really was a sounding board for so many business decisions uh, for Buffett for more than five decades. And in a statement, Buffett said Berkshire Hathaway could not have been built to its present status without Charlie Munger's influence. Um, Munger once advanced, advised Buffett to live life backwards. I really like this. Write your obituary and then live life according to it. How do, how do you feel about this Yeah, person? it's um, quite, I suppose, an adjustment for many folks who have been following Berkshire Hathaway, right? He's always there at those meetings next to Warren Buffett and always coming up with these nuggets of wisdoms mm-hmm. and quotable quotes. And a couple of them stand out for me. One was how he described compound interest as the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. Another one is that the big money is not in the buying and selling, but in the waiting. It's and a good one. For someone who's lived life for so long, you know, it really reflects a lot of wisdom in how you maybe can take a page out of his book and some lessons as well. You know, he's managed to do very well for himself, even though his fortune not as big as Warren Buffett. $3.2 or $2.3 billion. Uh, Warren Buffett, $100 billion over. He has been living a life of philanthropy, a bit like Warren Buffett as well, and in a sense, living life to its fullest. I really love those quotes you mentioned. Munger and Buffett began buying Berkshire Hathaway shares, by the way, back in 1962. Blast to the past. Okay, Berkshire Hathaway then was a textile mill in the northeast of the U.S. and they paid about 7 to 8 U.S. dollars per share. Imagine that. Oh, I think of the class A shares now. Over time, they took control of the company and they turned it into the conglomerate and the real investing powerhouse it is today. Berkshire Hathaway stock, I hear you asking, it now trades for nearly 550,000 U.S. dollars a share. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.